The Perfect Stress Podcast does not provide medical or nutritional advice, nor is it a substitute for medical or nutritional advice, and is not intended for the prevention, cure, or mitigation of any medical condition or disease. This podcast provides information only. Please consult a physician or nutritionist for advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Perfect Stress Podcast, where we walk that fine line between being productive and overdoing it and triggering stress-related symptoms. I'm Adam Darrow, your host and founder of MyStressAlarm.com. In today's episode, I'm going to continue where I left off last time on navigating through the various holistic options available, uh, the so-called alternative options. Again, as a reminder, I don't come at you as an expert in anything, uh, but more as an experienced consumer, let's just say. And again, I don't know everything, I haven't tried everything, but I have yet to find anyone who has. Um, I have, however, had success in managing my ulcerative colitis uh, to the point where I haven't had a flare-up since 2007, and I haven't taken any meds for it since around 2010, so there's that. But... um, So last episode, I made the point that whatever your opinions are of conventional medicine, uh, especially as it relates to long-term treatment for mild to moderate stress-related chronic health issues, um, it's a very streamlined process all in all, uh, from diagnosis to prescriptions to insurance to pricing tiers and follow-ups and so on. In the holistic world, however, it's a lot more fragmented and can be downright overwhelming uh, to figure out what to try, how long to give it before you know if it's working, should you try two different things in combination, or what. And it's no one's fault. Um, It's just the nature of holistic modalities. Uh, But it can be challenging, and a turnoff, quite frankly, for folks who are in pain or some kind of discomfort, and they want to find something, understandably, that works as soon as possible. Uh, You don't want a lot of uncertainty and inconvenience in dealing with your chronic health issues, right? You want stability. And you want it as soon as possible. So you kind of have to fight that urge to automatically go with the conventional approach. Again, I'm talking long-term treatment uh, options. If you're in a flare and you need help right now, chances are you're going to do whatever the doctor recommends, which again is understandable. But just as a reminder of the quality of life issues that often come with long-term conventional treatments and why you would be pursuing holistic options in the first place, Include, but are not limited to, side effects, health risks, remembering to take your meds, getting refills, remembering to tell all your doctors what meds you're on so they they all know, Uh, more follow-up doctor appointments and blood tests depending on the type of meds you're on, and so on. Not to mention the out-of-pocket costs, although a lot of holistic options aren't cheap either, just, just to be fair. And also, everyone's case can be a little different. And what the doctor is really good at is understanding and explaining the benefits and risks of certain treatment options. And of course, when your doctor prescribes you something, the assumption is always that, in their professional opinion, the benefits outweigh the risks. But of course, uh, they're not the ones taking the risks, right? You are. And they're probably not comparing the conventional treatment options with any holistic options out there. But then again, that's not what they're trained or licensed to do. Now, that's not to say that your doctor is completely oblivious to holistic options that are out there, but um, I'll be doing an episode later that focuses more on doctors uh, and their role in your healthcare. But getting back to the topic at hand, 
I also talked last time about the value, in my opinion, that some of the tracker apps offer, and also how a lot of recommendations given by those apps, as well as health coaches, because truth be told, some of these apps aim to replace or automate coaching. But a lot of the recommendations given are simply ineffective for folks like me who work really hard to get ahead. So if that's true, that there are a lot of rec- recommendations that don't work uh, very well in this type of situation, then what does work? And this is where the behavioral change aspect of any recommended solution really matters. So with chronic stress monitoring, you can argue that it's a relatively reactive approach to addressing health issues compared to most, if not everything else out there, which are much more proactive solutions. Although I have to say, chronic stress monitoring is infinitely more proactive than doing nothing. But for kicks, uh, let's go through some of the other solutions uh, out there that I uh, didn't get to last time. So traditional corporate wellness programs and some apps uh, deliver personalized content to users. Select articles, videos, webinars, etc., uh, based on your risk factors for common health issues. Uh, some may even give you access to an actual health coach as well. Uh, but the idea, anyway, is to increase your awareness of your risk factors. And by being more aware, hopefully, you'll get motivated to make some changes, be it diet, sleep, exercise, what have you, uh, in order to lower your risk. Health coaches, as well as some apps, use various nudging techniques. Uh, to help you form healthy habits. Uh, There are some apps that are games uh, that are designed to help you form healthy habits called uh, gamification. And uh, some corporate wellness programs also have an incentive program whereby you earn points for meeting certain wellness goals, like walking 10,000 steps a day for a certain period of time. And you can redeem those points for cash or merchandise. Now, the one commonality of all these tools, programs, coaching, is that they all, to some degree, depend on your being motivated to improve your health, to improve your lifestyle, you making it a priority, you being proactive about your health. With that in mind, I'm suggesting that folks like myself, busy professionals and others, working hard to get ahead, who have a never-ending drive to succeed, but who also are dealing with stress-related health issues, are more motivated by the thought of achieving their goals than living a healthy lifestyle. Let me repeat that. We're more motivated by the thought of achieving our goals than living a healthy lifestyle. Now, don't get me wrong. We don't want it to be either or, and we realize that our health is an integral part of our success. But when push comes to shove, if in a given week, for whatever reason, we fall behind our work and uh, aren't able to work as much on our goals as we normally do, and we're a little anxious about it, we're probably going to skip the yoga that week uh, to make up time on our goals. And inevitably, that turns into two weeks, three weeks, and, well, we end up not sticking to the plan. If we knew, however, absolutely when we needed to slow down, how much and for how long in order to avoid triggering symptoms, that kind of information we'll act on and appreciate because that directly impacts productivity toward our goals. So from a strategy standpoint, Instead of saying, let's see how we can help you live a healthier lifestyle, it's more, let's see how much you can work without making yourself sick. And this is why I say chronic stress monitoring is a reactive strategy rather than a proactive one. And I realize uh, to some this may seem backwards, sending the wrong message, counterintuitive, whatever you want to call it, unorthodox for sure, 
But this approach can be very effective because it leverages your natural drive or intrinsic motivation to reach your personal goals. Not to mention, it could help you position yourself down the road to be more proactive. And this is where the sustainability uh, matrix planning comes into play that I covered in uh, prior episodes. I also want to take a little time uh, now to talk about different methods for measuring stress. And there's no one size fits all when it comes to measuring stress. It just depends on you know what the goal is. Uh, biofeedback apps and sensors uh, measure everything from muscle tension to vital signs to heart rate variability, blood flow, breathing patterns, temperature, your fingertips, cardiograms, stress thermometers, mood rings. So of course, there are plenty of good uses for these apps. Uh, but it's important to note that they miss the context around the data they're collecting. So there's no understanding of the root causes or, or what led up to a spike in stress. With chronic stress monitoring, how much you work and how well you're sleeping is baked into the scores. So there's more context there. These other apps simply identify the spikes in stress and jump right into making recommendations for lowering it, like guided breathing exercises or mindfulness, for example which is fine for some folks. It's kind of a whack-a-mole approach to me, but it could be effective. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I try to do uh, deep breathing and mindfulness more and more myself. But if the goal is to establish a baseline for how much stress it takes to trigger stress-related symptoms in a particular individual, aka your stress threshold, then biofeedback is not suitable for one simple reason. The measurements fluctuate throughout the day, not unlike your blood pressure does. Now, symptoms, on the other hand, do not fluctuate like that. They may come and go throughout the day to some extent, but they generally present themselves day to day, not hour to hour. Um, If you have a headache today, you're not going to say, well, my headache was worse from this time to this time, then it got better at this time, but then got a little worse. No, you're going to say, I had a headache today, I didn't have one yesterday, and hopefully I, I don't have one tomorrow. So it's kind of difficult to get a clear picture of how your symptoms correlate with your stress levels if you're measuring stress in this way, in my opinion. And I talk a little more about this in episode 8, I believe, which is calculating stress scores. Now, on the other end of the spectrum is what workplace wellness programs commonly offer, which is a stress assessment, which is basically a questionnaire designed to gauge your overall susceptibility to developing stress-related health issues based on a number of factors, including your general attitude towards certain things, or your response to certain things, or events you've been through, say, over the last year, a car accident, divorce, getting laid off, things like that. So here you have the opposite problem. Your answers don't change from day to day. So good luck trying to correlate that with with, with your symptoms. Chronic stress monitoring falls somewhere in the middle. You only have one score for the whole day, but it changes day to day. So it's more conducive or suitable to comparing with your symptoms to identify your stress threshold. And again, I talk about this more in episode eight. By the way, if there's anything that you've found to be effective at reducing stress, could be massage equipment or meditation app or YouTube videos or acupuncture or any kind of productivity tip that you may have to avoid stress altogether, please share it on the Perfect Stress Facebook group. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. If you have an autoimmune disorder, heartburn, tension headaches, irritable bowel syndrome, high blood pressure, depression, or something else you think is stress-related, please try MyStressAlarm.com today. It's free for a limited time, 
There's no wearables or sensors needed, and it takes just one minute a day if you're slow. That's mystressalarm.com. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning in. And if you'd like to get new episodes automatically, just click subscribe. Also, I'd be much obliged if you left a review or comment. Well, until next time, wishing you good health and success. And remember, stress less to be your best.